Hey folks, have you visited our friends at adamandeve.com yet? Use our special discount code HORROR at checkout for 50% off almost any item, plus a free gift, plus free shipping. Oh my god! That's H-O-R-R-O-R. So before you start the show, head over to adamandeve.com for some sexy discounts. The only thing sexier than sex is discounts. Mmm, discounts. Oh yeah. <laughs> Hello everyone. Hi listeners. Welcome back. Welcome back to I'm Horrified. With I'm Allie Rayner. And I'm Sam Buntit. And we're welcoming you to this episode. And you're welcomed. And you're and you're welcome. <laughs> That's rude. But you know, Allie, before we say you're welcome, we have to say we're sorry. We have to say we're so sorry. We need we need a minute to just apologize to our the legions out there. We know you're out there. Yeah. I and I'd like to start. Please start. I'd like to apologize to every one of you in every country. Because last week I edited the podcast all by my lonesome, which we do sometimes because I was away. We're not constantly together, unfortunately. Which is the great challenge of our life. Amen. So I edited the pod, and then I listened to it on Monday, like, so proud of myself, proud of my work. And at one point, Ali says, and I'm so horrified. And you guys, there's no fucking ding. I missed one. We just pulled that fucking rug out from under you. And I, like, I, I, in that moment, I was a listener, and I was just, like, so, I was waiting for it. I was ready, and when no ding came, I was, like... I've been let down. I threw my lamp at the wall. Absolutely. We've been in a fight for seven days. We're ending the podcast now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're because not doing I, that. I kindly reminded her that I edited the one before it, and I left one out, I think. I mean, I'm just seeking absolution from anyone who will give it to yeah. me. And I wish we had, like, you know, a million followers, and we'd get, like, 20 people writing in right when we release an episode, like, you missed a ding it. You oh know, god, I don't. Twenty eight forty two. <laughs> I just would have felt worse. Oh really? That's the difference between you and me. <laughs> Vanity. But I'm very sorry, you guys. If you notice that ding, if you've been left waiting, uh, we'll edit it into the podcast right now. Ready, Allie? Say I'm horrified. And I'm horrified. Ding. There it is. You don't have to say ding. We're even now. Well, you'll cut out my ding. Oh no, I won't. <laughs> okay. That's the ding. That's, That's what you ding. get. <laughs> oh god, you it's guys. Too late. Um, but Allie, I believe you have an apology to make as well. Oh, yes. I do have an apology. As we all know, we're all up on the Twitter sphere. Mm. Many of you are there with us. We're, you know, we're living, at we're loving, I'm Horrified Pod. At I'm Horrified Pod. Please go follow us if you haven't yet. There's so much fun to be had there. Or is there? Mm. Um, I would like to personally apologize to at MissKitty1222. Mm. I have offended her. I can't believe you did um, this. <laughs> You know, and I'm sad, but I'm also elated because we got our first hate tweet this week. Yay! Yay! It only took 16 episodes. Only took 16 episodes for us to just get some conservative backlash, which is why we're in the game in the first place. Mm, Love it. So, uh, thank goodness. I am so glad that we've finally arrived. Should we say what she said to us for those of us who aren't on Twitter? No, you have to follow us on Twitter. Oh my god. I will I will not tell you what she tweeted at us. Okay. Well, the one thing I'd like to say is the hashtag I'd like to get started is hashtag Maha, M-A-H-A. Oh yes, because she was a hashtag MAGA 
Yes. Which is a gross, Trumpy, conservative yeah, hashtag which... about making America great again. So we have coined our own hashtag, which is... Make America horrified again. Maha! <laughs> which is what I was thinking. Yes. Is that Amanda Bynes reference when I tweeted it, and then you immediately had the gif? Which is why we are one. <laughs> we are one mind, body, and soul. So that's what you're missing out on if you're not on Twitter, okay, you guys? Adam Horrified Pod. That's all I'm going to say about it. Ugh. Ugh. All right. We're ah. both going to take a sip of water at the same time. Yes. You guys, it's summer. We have to stay hydrated. We have to stay hydrated for you so that we can bring you the knowledge in a way that's not haggard. Yes. Yeah. So, Sam, what do you have for us this week? Well, Al, you inspired me last week with your favorite horrifying Mary. <gasps> Did I? So this week, I'm going to talk about my favorite horrifying Mary, Queen Mary the First of England. Heck yeah! So... That's kind of perfect because I'm going to talk about sinkholes. Mm, and her whole life was a sinkhole. Perfect. <laughs> we did it. I can't wait to hear about sinkholes, honestly. Oh, well, we're going to have to wait for it. You got some work to do first. Whew, so true. I got to earn I got to earn my sinkhole news. Let's get into it. Let's talk about Queen Mary the 1st of England, Mary Tudor, or as she is sometimes known, Bloody Mary. Mm. Bet you guys didn't think you were getting Bloody Mary content today. So, we already talked about toxic shock syndrome. Ayo. <laughs> Themes. Themes. So Mary I was the queen of England and Ireland from July 1553 until her death in 1558. So like five years. She is best known for her aggressive attempt to reverse the English Reformation, which was begun during the reign of her father, Henry VIII. This reversal of the English Reformation led to her being denounced as, quote-unquote, Bloody Mary by her Protestant opponents. Ooh, sexy. Right? It sounds She sounds hot. Surprise, she ain't. She ain't. But I, she has she's, a great personality. She's definitely not hot when she's portrayed in that um, Kate Blanchett movie. Ooh, they, they portray her as... Oh, yeah. Homely. Yeah, well, they always, like, compared to her... So she... So I'll, let's start with some historical context. So she is the daughter of Henry VIII. And Henry VIII is the king who had the six wives, and his three children are Edward, who means nothing, Mary, and then Elizabeth, who goes on to be, like, this amazing monarch for years and years and years, an unprecedented time of peace, the virgin queen. Like, Elizabeth is really very popular, and people like to compare her to Mary, who was not popular. Yeah. And, and one of them was hotter, so. And one of them was hotter, and one of them reigned for 50 years, and one of them reigned for five. Yeah. So, poor, poor Mary, honestly. At the end of this, I want us all to have a moment and just be like, poor Mary. But let's start with her unfortunate birth. Please. So, (laughs) she is the only child of King Henry VIII and his first wife, Catherine of Aragon, to survive infancy. So that means that her mother had had many miscarriages before. Uh, She had had four previous pregnancies that resulted in one stillborn daughter and three short-lived or stillborn sons. Oh, that reminds me of Mary Shelley, too. Yeah. So very, very sad, especially because, like, in in the royal family, you want sons because they're going to carry on the line, in theory, the best because the patriarchy. So the fact that it's, like, three stillborn sons and then a daughter, I'm sure Henry was, like, a little bullshit. But her parents are their own episodes, honestly. And maybe at a point, at some point, I will do a big nerd out about the Tudors, because I love the Tudors. It'll be five hours long, and we'll just let you talk. I won't even be here. Maybe I'll do a series, and it'll be, like, everyone who's lives, because it's just, none of them end good. Let me tell you that. So, um, her mom, Catherine, was the Infanta of Spain, which just means she was, like, the youngest princess of Spain. She had, like, four older sisters. And her parents are Ferdinand and Isabella. 
I know they are. Heard of. Yes. They sent Columbus to the place. Yes, they did. That was a bad idea. Well, it, it didn't end up good for a lot of people. <laughs> That's true. Oh, there's a lot we could talk about. Let's get back on track. <laughs> Absolutely. So Catherine gets shipped to England when she's 16 to marry the Prince of Wales, whose name is Arthur. And Arthur is the oldest son of Henry VII. And he's like 15. And he seems like a good guy and a dutiful prince. And they get married. But then he like immediately kicks the bucket five months later in 1502. Oh, bummer. After Catherine and he had only been married for a few months. So Catherine claims that they never consummated the marriage because he was very sick and he was 15 and she was 16 and they just didn't get around to it. Thought they'd have time. And so she's left in this like weird English purgatory because they don't want to send her back to Spain with her dowry because they want her dowry. But they also like don't know what to do with her because she's feel weird about marrying her again. Yeah. So finally, um, so she's in that weird English purgatory for seven years. Ooh. And finally, Henry the Seventh dies and Henry the Eighth ascends to the throne and like a couple months later marries her. So it seems like he was totally game and it was his dad that was kind of cock blocking. But the thing about Henry the Eighth is that he was not supposed to be the king. It was supposed to be his very dutiful older brother, Arthur. So he is not serious or dutiful. He just wants to have a fucking good time. He's like the Prince Harry. Mm. But he murders a bunch of people. Oh, yeah. So many murders <laughs> happen because Henry yeah. VIII just wants to have a good time. So back to Princess Mary. Obviously, her parents are thrilled when she is born and lives through infancy. Because she's the first of, like, four stillbirths. Oh. And this, she is proof that they can procreate successfully. And they're like, obviously, a boy is soon to follow. Spoiler, he is not. Oh, no. So the first nine to ten years of Mary's life is lit. She's, like, learning the harpsichord. She's getting engaged to all these princes for, like, a couple months. And then, like, her dad gets in a fight with their dad, so she's not engaged anymore. And then she's engaged to somebody else. She's, like, quite literally, like, a, a little princess. Like, Heck I, yeah. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's a great life. But that all changes in 1525 because Henry VIII meets Anne Boleyn. And unlike every other woman in England, she just will not put out. Yeah. She will not do it. Now, I am a huge Anne Boleyn apologist, so I do not blame her for anything that happens to Mary. Are you really? Are you a Natalie Portman and the other Boleyn girl apologist? Um... I'm really a uh, Natalie Dormer. Oh, in, from the Tudors. In the Showtime miniseries, The Tudors. Mmm, okay. God, what a weird TV show. Love it. Um, but also Natalie Portman. Two Natalies that I yeah, love. Yeah, this gets back to your love of, like, corset ripping. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> if you folks didn't know already, I love a corset rip. So, basically, this fucks up Mary's life because Henry desperately wants to fuck Anne Boleyn. And he's also getting more and more pissed that Catherine is not giving him a son. Yeah, it's like a tornado of bad things. Yeah, and he does not get it because he's like, I am a perfect king. How am I not producing a son? Something must be wrong with my bitch wife, Catherine. So because of all this, because he's just like lust-addled and angry, nothing good happens. Nice use of lust-addled. Thank you. Uh, he decides that Catherine actually probably definitely had sex with his brother Arthur, and now they're being punished by God. That makes sense. Because in Leviticus somewhere, it says, like, hey, don't fuck your brother's wife. Oh, it does. Yeah. Even if he's dead? Yeah. <laughs> All right, well. So Catherine had been claiming, like, I wasn't really his wife, we never fucked. 
And Henry's like... And that's how she said it. She was like, I didn't fuck him. (laughs) And Henry's like, you must have fucked him because God is punishing me (laughs) by not giving me... I think that is something that it comes down to that everyone's kind of like, what? Is that in Leviticus it says, like, if you marry your brother's wife, you'll be childless. And Catherine is like, but we have Mary. Yeah, we we have have a a child. And he's like, doesn't count. Because she's a lady. (laughs) Does not count. Yeah, and she's like, do you think that I wanted to bang your sickly 15-year-old brother <laughs> yeah, when I was only 16 and mm-hmm. just getting into Seventeen magazine? Yep. And they no. couldn't even, just a fun fact is that they had, Arthur and Catherine had written to each other in Latin because that was a language they both knew, so they thought they were going to have these great intellectual conversations, but it turned out that they had learned two different dialects, so they couldn't speak to each other, but they could write to each other. Which is just prime for fucking. That's know? adorable. Yep, I agree. <laughs> if I can't understand what a man's saying, I'm just like, ah. Uh. 20 times hornier. <laughs> so, Henry has decided that Catherine and Arthur definitely had sex, God is punishing them, and he wants to get the marriage annulled. This becomes called the King's Great Matter, and it is a six-year legal battle that is very stressful for Mary, Aww. who is like 10 when this starts. And she really loves her mom, but her dad is quite literally the most powerful man in the world. Yeah. So this is all happening. In 1531, Mary's mom is banished from court. No. And Mary is not allowed to see her anymore. And from that time until, like, literally the day she dies, Mary is often sick with irregular menstruation and depression. And it's not clear if this was just, like, stress, if it was puberty happening, or if if it's a more, like deep-seated disease, but she is literally sick for the rest of her life. Oh, God. She is not permitted to see her mother. At all, and she's really close with her mom, so that's really hard for her. Um, And then in early 1533, Henry marries Anne Boleyn, who's already pregnant with his kid, and he repudiates the authority of the Pope, declaring himself supreme head of the Church of England. Classic move. Classic Get yourself a man who <laughs> will declare himself supreme head of the church so he can fuck you. <laughs> you fucked over Catholicism for me, babe. Oh my god. So, so this is even harder for Mary because her mom is Roman Catholic and Mary has been raised Roman Catholic and is very devoted to the church. So not only is she just like generally pissed with her dad about divorcing her mom and getting this woman pregnant and marrying her, but she's also like... You're doing the devil's work. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're... <laughs> and it's not like your parents getting divorced and you being like, Dad, you're the devil. It's like, no, you're the devil, though. Dad, you might be the Antichrist. You might be the Antichrist, though. So when this happens, Catherine is demoted to Dowager Princess of Wales, which would have been her title as the wife of Arthur, who had died. And Mary is deemed illegitimate. So she goes from being, like, number one princess to, like, a bastard. Oh, my Straight God. Up. Uh, she is styled, quote, the Lady Mary rather than princess, and her place in the line of succession is transferred to her newborn half-sister, Elizabeth, Anne's daughter. And this is just, like, insult to injury because Elizabeth is also a fucking girl. Yeah. So it's not like Anne had a strapping son and Mary's like, all right, I get it. Like, it's just it's, a girl. It's just another girl. <laughs> so Mary's household, which means, like, all of the servants and attendants that she had had since she was, like, born, is dissolved and they're all dismissed. And Mary is moved to live in the household of infant Elizabeth. So, like, she's now Elizabeth's maid. Great. 
And also, she and her mom are both very sick, probably from the stress of all this. Mary is not allowed to visit, and Catherine dies in 1536, and Mary has not seen her since 1531. Aww. So she's inconsolable, devastated. She's living in this house with this tiny baby who's taken everything from her, and she doesn't speak to her father for three full years. Oh my good lord. That is bullshit. Isn't that so sad? That's so sad. And, like, she's has to be, like, very secret about being Catholic because her dad is, like, all in on this Protestantism thing. And just because he was trying to get it in. Just because he was desperately trying to get it in. And he did, but at one... At what cost? At what cost? Lucky for Mary, Henry is an inconstant fuck. And he beheads Anne and delegitimizes Elizabeth in 1536. So So just all of his children are delegitimized. Yeah. Well, so he marries a woman named Jane Seymour two weeks later. So two weeks after beheading his wife, has a new wife. Good. I would not marry a man who had beheaded his last wife two weeks ago. Give me a month. Depends. Babe, give me a month. Depends for me. (laughs) (laughs) If he's the king, though. I need more information. (laughs) But so Jane ends up being a real peacemaker in the Tudor household. Okay. And she, she like, tries to reason with Henry, like, maybe Mary can come around again. Like, she's if she's being quiet about her Catholicism, like, maybe she can come to Christmas. Now that, you know, you also divorced Anne Boleyn and annulled that marriage, maybe you can recognize that you were married to Catherine because she's dead now. So, like, who cares? And Mary can be back in the line of succession. Especially because, surprise, I just had a son. Yay, Prince Edward. So finally, Henry's got his fucking son. Right. They could not wait for. So Mary and Henry are kind of talking today. She has to officially call him, like, the head of the church, which she does not want to do because she believes in supreme authority of the Pope, but she ultimately just does to get back in his good graces. But then she is in his good graces, so it's, like, a few good years where Henry has this son, so Mary can just kind of, like, also be there but that's easier for her right and she can kind of be in his life and she can just like quietly be catholic at home visit the palace when she's called and like it's a peaceful few years which is good that's pretty good and that's basically how she rides out the rest of henry's life he goes through a few more wives there's another one that gets divorced and he beheads one more and one outlives him and like she's mostly just kind of hanging out quietly just being like, can I keep my rosary? Yes, we're good. Okay, that's fine. We'll just be fine. So Henry dies in 1547, and Mary's little brother, Edward, takes the throne. Edward has been raised Protestant, which Mary does not love. And even worse, he's just a kid, so he has regents, and they're all Protestant. And Mary's like, I don't love this. I'm not thrilled. So she stays the fuck away. She literally never comes to court except once for Christmas in 1550, And 13-year-old Edward embarrasses Mary and reduces them both to tears by publicly reproving her for ignoring his laws regarding worship. What the fuck? She gets called out by her 13-year-old brother, and they're both weeping at Christmas. That's crazy, but relatable. And I'm just imagining, like, Elizabeth quietly sitting in the corner, biding her time, like, one of these days. Yeah. I'm just gonna get everyone to calm down. Yeah. Or, like, I'm gonna fuck you over. Either way. I don't know what's gonna happen. Oh my god, you're gonna find out. Ah! So, uh, Mary never abandons her Catholicism. She does not denounce it. And Edward, like, never says, like, okay, you're fine. Like, he's a little bit more Protestant even than Henry was. Because Henry was like, well, I'm Protestant because I like to fuck. 
But Edward, Edward was, like, into it. <laughs> Edward really liked Protestantism. So poor Edward gets a lung infection in 1553 when he's 15 years old and he knows he's dying. Mary and Elizabeth are both back in the line of succession. But Edward does not want his very Catholic sister Mary to inherit. So he ends up cutting them both as well, because if you're going to disinherit one of your half-sisters, you might as well disinherit the other half-sister. I think that's fair enough. And he plans to crown his Protestant cousin, Lady Jane Grey. So he's like, I'm going to die, but fine. And he, like, sends a letter to Mary that's like, hey, I'm dying, like, please be at my side when I die. (laughs) So she's literally like, no, fuck you. Oh, really? (laughs) Yes, because she knows it's a trap. She knows if she goes to London to be with Edward, they're going to lock her up to make it easier for Jane to get the crown. So she does the opposite. She heads over to East Anglia, where she owns property. Oh, smart. And all the Catholics in the kingdom fucking come to her house, and she's like, hey, I should be the queen. I am Henry's next kid. It's true. Like, it should be me. And we Catholics have been kept down by these Protestant fucks for too long. Hell yeah. So as soon as my little brother dies of this lung infection, let's fucking go. Heck yeah. I don't really feel one way or the other, but I'm, the way you're telling the story, I'm like, yeah, let's overthrow the Protestants. (laughs) So Edward obviously dies. Very sad. Um, Mary writes a letter to the Privy Council to basically say... I'm back on my bullshit, I am your new queen, and I'm Catholic as fuck, surrender or die. Yeah. And Lady Jane Grey's supporter, like, supporters are still like, well, Lady Jane's gonna be the queen. But nine days later, Mary's forces sweep into London, get rid of Jane, Mary is the queen. Oh my god, Green Day is, like, playing in the Hell background. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I'm kind of imagining uh, the Black Parade by My Chemical Romance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. And it's like, woo, carry on. I love it. It's that part. So, Mary's finally in charge. She's thrilled. She's been kept down by the man her whole life. And now she gets to, like, finally have some real power. She can just live. She can finally live. Or. (laughs) (laughs) She begins her rule by releasing all the Catholic nobles who have been imprisoned and imprisoning all the Protestant nobles who had been involved with the Lady Grey, Jane Grey stuff. Sounds about right. Uh, she also beheads Jane, even though poor Jane was clearly a pawn, R.I.P. Jane. Oh, it's symbolic. <laughs> Sorry. Slice. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> but she is, so Mary's trying to be a little bit cool, because she issues a proclamation that's like, I will not compel any of my subjects to follow my religion. She still really wants to make England Catholic again, hashtag Mika. By imprisoning, <laughs> by imprisoning Protestant religious leaders and abolishing a lot of Edward's reforms. But she's kind of like, I was quietly Catholic this whole time. If you guys want to be quietly Protestant and I'll just get rid of the laws that are like, you got to be Protestant and I'll just like kill the super Protestant people, that's fine. We'll be cool. And, the, and all the people of England are like, okay. I hear that. So at this point, Mary is 37 years old, and she's been engaged a bunch of times, but Henry just never really got around to finding her a husband, because he was too busy just, like, fucking. So Mary decides that that's definitely her next order of business, especially because she does not want her very Protestant sister, Elizabeth, to inherit the throne. Fair enough. History repeats itself. (laughs) Poor Edward was having this problem a minute ago. So her cousin, King Charles of Spain, who she was engaged to at one point, 
and who she is very close with because like he reminds her of her mom who was also Spanish and it's like a good familial connection. Oh gross, where is this going? Well, he recommends his 27-year-old son, Prince Philip. So it's her like nephew? It's her second, second cousin. cousin. Oh. But she was originally going to marry her cousin. So this is like does so it step up or down? Better. Or, I have no idea. <laughs> it's a little bit more blood in there. Okay. So, Mary's advisors, both Catholic and Protestant, do not like this idea for a few reasons. Number one, he is very Catholic, and England had been Protestant for the last 20-ish years, and they were afraid that with two Catholic monarchs, shit was going to get a little weird. Number two, he is from, like, the Habsburg royal line, and they control a majority of continental Europe. And her English advisors are like, we don't really want to be reliant on the Habsburgs, we're kind of doing our own thing. Number three, he is Spanish, and can't you just marry a nice English boy? Can't she? Nope. Come on. And number four, he's Spanish, and you're a woman. And, like, in England, when you get married, all your shit becomes your husband. Your husband's shit. Like, if you marry him, are we Spains? Is that how the laws will work? Correct. We've never had a lady queen. We don't know. We don't know how any of this works. (laughs) However... All these concerns by the nobles are actually all huge pros for Mary. She's like, where's the bad news? I love that he's Spanish. (laughs) I fucking love that he's Catholic. What's the problem? And then there's also something that the advisors are not thinking about. And that's that Prince Philip is so fucking hot. Oh my god, really? So I'm gonna show you this photo. So she gets sent this photo by, is it Titian? The artist? Titian, yeah. Yeah, Titian. So Titian does a portrait, and she gets sent it, and I'm about to show it to Allie. Oh my god. Oh my god, oh my god. All right, I'm closing my eyes. I'm gonna open them. Here it is. <gasps> hey! <laughs> oh, I would hit that. Look at that stare. Mm. My god. We'll tweet this. So Mary sees this portrait, and she's just like... Get that in me. Check, please. Yes. <laughs> like, fuck yeah. I love this. I'm Ooh. in. This is the guy. So, in July of 1554, they get married. Married. Mary is finally married. She's she gets thrilled. to bang this guy. I'm happy She for gets her. to bang this guy. Philip is less than thrilled. Oh. Because Mary is 10 years older than him, pretty sickly, super religious. Oh. And Philip just really loves, like, fucking and going to war on behalf of Spain. So he's kind of, like, living in England with this old, weird woman. It's like a weird Miss Havisham, but if Miss Havisham <laughs> married the woman, yeah, married, married the child she adopted, yeah. Yeah. Um, but his dad really wants him to make the alliance. It's really good for England and Spain to be aligned like this, so Philip's kind of like, fine. Then, more good news. Mm. In September of 1554, so they just got married in July, Mary stops menstruating. She gains weight and feels nauseous in the morning. <gasps> And for these reasons, the entire court, including her doctors, believe she is pregnant. Everything is coming up Mary. Mary. After all these years of being kept down, she's got this super hot husband, she's pregnant with his baby, and she's ruling England. I love it. It's all great news. It will not last. Oh, no. In the last week of April, 1555, Elizabeth is released from house arrest and called to court to witness the birth, which is expected imminently, because she's about, they think, eight and a half months pregnant. And you know that, like, Mary did this because she just wanted to fucking rub it in Elizabeth's face. Oh, really? Like, oh, you're a whore mom. <laughs> like, yeah. got my dad to divorce my mom, but now you're never going to be the fucking queen because I have this baby with my hot Spanish husband. Get my hot husband, my hot baby. Yes. I win. So, unfortunately, April becomes May, 
and May becomes June, and there is still no baby. What? Mary still exhibits all the signs of pregnancy until July, which is 11 months after she started having symptoms, when all of a sudden her abdomen recedes. So, like, she had literally looked pregnant. And what they believe is that she experienced a false or sometimes called hysterical pregnancy. Which for is nine months? For 11 months. <gasps> oh, my God. Which is when your body shows all the symptoms of being pregnant, but it's not. And they oh think God. that she just wanted a baby so bad that, like, she tricked her body into thinking she was pregnant. Oh, my God. Which is horrifying. That's horrifying. So Mary is obviously devastated. And um, something, a telling of things to come. She thinks it is God's punishment for her having tolerated heretics in her realm. Oh, that's not exactly where I would go, but okay. Uh, so... There's no baby. Mary's devastated. She's, like, a laughingstock because everyone's like, how could you think you were pregnant, like, when you weren't? And she's like, well, my fucking stomach got big, and I was nauseous in the mornings, and the doctor said I was pregnant. Yeah. And it's the 1550s. Turns out I was just fat and furious. Yeah. There is, someone makes a joke about how the queen's pregnancy had ended in wind, as in, like, she just had to fart. <gasps> and, like, that's a quip that is on the books to this day. What a great historical quip. Poor Mary. Oh, but it's sad, yeah. It's so sad. So she, there's no baby. Philip then decides to leave because he's not helping to raise this baby. And he really wants to go command the Spanish armies against France. So he goes. Mary is in an even deeper depression because she is so in love with her husband. And now there's no baby. There's no Philip. And she's just, like, miserable in England. Ugh. And fucking Elizabeth's probably going to inherit. And she's pissed. So... No baby, no husband. She needs something to do with all her free time. Which is? Which ends up being burning Protestants. Oh, yeah. We're getting to this part of the story. Oh, right. I remember this now. I've, it's the beginning of the Kate Blanchett movie. There you go. Yep, it is. So, pre, let's take it back. Pre-Anne Boleyn, back to, like, Richard III, like, way back in English history, there were these heresy acts on the books in England, which were basically saying, if you're not... Catholic, we can burn you. Then, obviously, when Henry VIII and Edward roll around, they repeal these laws because they're like, actually, Protestantism is lit. So let's not fine. burn non Catholics. Let's celebrate them. They're great. We'll all just hang out. But now Mary's like, guess what, you guys? The Heresy Acts are motherfucking back. Let's bring them back. We're bringing them back. Back streets, back. All right. Yeah. And she basically gives every Protestant in her kingdom a choice. You can either. Allie, let me know what you would have chosen. Give me it. A, denounce Protestantism and convert to Catholicism. That one. <laughs> B, leave England forever. Or that one. You can go. Um, or C, just die. Not that one. Fucking die. Burn. Ew. Can't deal with burning. This time in history becomes known as the Marian Persecutions because of Mary. Oh, shit. So that's named after her forever. And it starts with four clergymen, or the first four that she ends up burning. And in theory, it should stay targeting high-level church officials. Like, that's the idea of these heresy acts, is that, like, if you are promoting... Right. It's symbolic. Protestantism, if you are a preacher, if you are a church leader... Right. You should probably burn... 
But not our ideas, hers. Yeah, her. her. <laughs> I'm not. Just to clarify, the beliefs of Mary Tudor are not the beliefs. Of this I don't podcast. think our sponsors would want us talking about how we want to burn Protestants. <laughs> I'm chill with Protestants. We're good. So, in theory, she should be burning these people, but Mary ends up having 284 Protestants burned at the stake. That's too many. And many of them are just like people. Oh, so they're boy. tradesmen. They're women. They're like. Married men and women, they're youths, and one couple is burned alive with their daughter. <gasps> Shit, man. I know. Come on. It's bad. So she, yeah, so she burns 283, and 30 more Protestants die in prison. So, like, her number is in 300. And she was queen for five years. So she managed to kill... <laughs> Jesus. 300 Protestants in less than five years. Really. That's, that's so many. Which is so... Way too many. Many. And just, like, as a special example of how fucked up Mary is right now, there's a guy named Thomas Cronmer, and he is the Archbishop of Canterbury, and he is imprisoned because he's kind of believing in Protestantism. So he is forced to watch two bishops being burned at the stake, Bishops Ridley and Latimer, and he recants, and he repudiates Protestantism and rejoins the Catholic faith because he does not want to end up like Ridley and Latimer. Nor would I. So in theory... He said, you know what? You're right, Mary. Fuck Protestantism. I love Catholicism. We're good. And under normal process of law, he should have been absolved of his crimes because he repented. Mary, however, decides, nah. And she burns him anyway. Oh my god. And on the day of his burning, he dramatically withdraws his recantation. So, like, he's up on the stake and they're like, do you have anything to say? And he's like, yeah, fuck Catholicism. Good. (laughs) Protestant for life. My life is another two minutes, but still. For those two minutes, Protestant all the way. (laughs) Uh, So that is, like, that move is deeply unpopular, but just this whole thing is unpopular. Even, like, Catholics are not thrilled about the Marian persecutions. Yeah, I just see, like, Catholics kind of whispering each other, like, this is, like, a lot, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's it's no good. Um, And, like, it's, like, Philip's ecclesiastical staff, who are incredibly Catholic because they're Spanish, they're like, Mary, are you sure about this? And like, like we're we're into it. Yeah, no, we're into it, but it's like we don't have yeah. to burn out. It's like we did the Spanish Inquisition and we're like, whoa. If the Spanish Inquisition <laughs> is like raising their eyebrows at you, you should chill. Exactly. Um and people are warning her, like, what if this causes a revolt? Like, can't you calm down? And she's like, I cannot calm down. <laughs> I won't. Sorry. I cannot do it. She perseveres with the policy and it all the people of England fe- now feel very anti-Catholic and very anti-Spanish, to which Philip's like, this is not me. Yeah. Philip's like, this is so beyond <laughs> not my fault. It's like, I have no interest in anything about England, especially not my wife. It's Mary's fault. And if anything, it's Henry's fault. I know, right? Even though he's dead. Damn it, Henry. Um, so basically, the country is, like, not in a good place because of this. So now it's 1557. Philip finally visits again. It's been, like, years. Oy. But he comes back, and Mary again believes herself pregnant. However, again, no child is born. And at this point, Mary is 41 and ill pretty much all the time. So she's starting to accept that Elizabeth is most likely going to be her successor. And she's just, like, bummed out about it. But there's nothing she can do. There's no one else. Right. And she's 41, which, like, even nowadays with modern medicine, having a baby at 41 is still like, oh, wow. So, yeah, like, imagine in the do. fucking Tudor era, like, it's pretty uncomfortable. Yeah, they're like, we're surprised you're not dead. Yeah. 
Most people have babies when they're, like, 16 in the Tudor era. Right. So, she is weak and ill from May of 1558 and very in pain, possibly because of ovarian cysts or uterine cancer, which this last pregnancy that happens in 1557, the pregnancy, quote-unquote, this when she felt like she was pregnant, doctors now think it might have been, like, her body reacting to the ovarian cysts. Oh. But okay. she was like, oh, like, something in my ovaries must be a baby. It was not. And she ultimately dies on the 17th of November, 1558, at age 42, in St. James's Palace. Philip, who was in Brussels, wrote to his sister Joan, quote, I feel a reasonable regret for her death. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and after her death, he does try to marry Elizabeth, and she's like, no, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, which, but no. Which is just, she loved Philip so much. He sucked yeah, so bad. That's such a fuck you in death. Yeah. So Mary only reigned for five years, but she managed to fuck up a lot of shit and kill a lot of Protestants in that time. And her horrifying life is all the fault of Henry VIII because he could not keep it in his pants. And then the only other thing I want to talk about that's horrifying is that, like, culturally, you and I were just kind of talking about this, like, Mary is very much seen as, like, the weird, ugly Catholic sister of Elizabeth. Right. Like She's, like, the ugly stepsister. Yeah. Half-sister. And she's portrayed as, like, bitter and conniving and yes she is evil and it's just like she did fucked up shit but her whole life leading up to it was so sad and so challenging and so out of her control yes and if i was on my period my whole life (laughs) i know that's not how it worked but like if i was constantly sick and my hot husband kept leaving me yeah i'd probably kill a bunch of people and you didn't get to see your mom for the three years before she died oh my god if i couldn't call my mom for a week i would just i would start killing absolutely burning people yeah burning people which in this day and age is hard to do it is hard but and, i do it you know i sleep closest to you so <laughs> so we'd start right over we'd here start right over here so that's the story of poor mary tudor Oh, I'm bummed. Let's all have a little empathy for this poor woman. Oh, we're sorry, Mare. But also, you shouldn't have killed those 300 Protestants. You shouldn't have. <laughs> oh, Mare. So I hope you learned something about English history I today. I did. I did. That was great. I love the Tudors. Ask me anything about the Tudors. Uh, we'll do more. We'll Woo! Do more. Let us know if you want more, which I, I know you all do. Oh Again, at I'm Horrified Pod. All right, that's all I'll say about it. <laughs> All right, well, now we're about to learn about something very different, and I'm very excited. We're about to learn about the power of nature and maybe um, human stupidity, um, and it's a quick one because, you know, we, we had a historical journey, Yes. and now I just want to give you something that is blatantly scary. Nice. And that's the end of it, pretty much. Hell yeah. I'm going to talk about sinkholes. Spooky. Spooky. So sinkholes go by many names, such as C-notes, sinks, dolines, and my personal favorite, swallow holes. Ooh, hot. All <laughs> nicknames for my vagina. Hey-o. Hey. Uh, so sinkholes are defined as a depression hole or cavity in the ground caused by eroding rock or surface layer collapse when water drainage corrodes the soft rock underneath, such as limestone. I barely so understood that. I'm gonna I'm break intrigued. it down nice. the best that I can. Basically, there are big ass holes in the ground um, that can be not so dangerous or super dangerous. Oh my god! They can be a few feet across or large enough to swallow entire buildings. Cool. Bummer. So, how do sinkholes happen? What does that confusing scientific jargon mean? Yes. So, part of it is due to natural causes, and part of it is in theory because of humans. Oh, no. Uh, naturally, we are all brutally murdering the Earth, so that shouldn't be news to anyone. Sounds like us. So, basically what happens is that somehow 
be it by cracks in the sediment or pipings, water gets below a soil or sediment layer into soluble bedrock. So soluble meaning that it can be dissolved mm. by water. So the bedrock underneath the top layer of the soil can be eroded. So like I said, something like limestone yeah. is very soluble and it is not a super stable bedrock, especially when moisture gets involved. So you probably don't want to build anything on top of there. Well, you can if you have proper drainage systems, but even then it's hard mm. to know. Because um, there's a lot of limestone in the earth. Um, but I always thought limestone was just for, like, covering up murders. Not so. So yeah, that's the definition. Through a small or large crack, depending on the situation, bedrock slowly dissolves over time, creating a chasm. Mm. Chasm being maybe the scariest word in the English language. Yeah. Right? Chasm. That's a spooky one. Shiver. So it's like this huge underground cave that exists, unbeknownst to anyone. And eventually the weight on top of the soil or sediment is too great to be supported by the top layer, and it collapses to expose the cavern underneath. No! Bad! So there are two types of sinkholes. Cover subsidence sinkholes and cover collapse sinkholes. Tell me which one you think is worse. <laughs> I think the second one because of the word collapse. Yes, correct. This reminds me of, like, the Legally Blonde um, yes. scene where she's like... Malaminsay. Yeah, Malaminsay or Malamprohibitum, and then Vivian's like, Malamprohibitum, because that would mean the client would have committed a regulatory infraction and not a dangerous crime. And then Elle is like, I'd pick the dangerous one, because I'm not afraid of it. You know, you've seen it. Oh, hell yeah. So back to reality. Cover subsidence is when the cavern is gradually exposed, usually because the top layer is sand. Okay. So if a sinkhole's happening somewhere where there's sand, it's kind of just like... The earth slowly opening, <laughs> which is scary. Yeah, I'm not thrilled. But not terrible. Uh-huh. And then cover collapse is what I was describing earlier, when the top layer is sediment or clay and the ground gives suddenly. Huh. Terrible. So very often sinkholes are not a big deal at all. They're like a few feet wide and you can kind of patch them up. Like there's ways to um, fill them. And sometimes when they're larger, people use them to discard trash. Which is something that that's crazy to me. Feel like a good idea? No, it feels yeah. like an absolutely terrible idea because it's not like it like poofs into another dimension. Like it's still going into it's the just earth. In the earth, I don't really get that. But it reminds me of another movie. <laughs> Do you remember in the Lovely Bones when Stanley Tucci throws Saoirse Ronan's body into a yes! sinkhole? Yes. Oh my god. And then Stanley Tucci. I'm so sorry if none of you have seen the Lovely. If you haven't seen the Lovely Bones yet, but now you have. And then Stanley Tucci falls into the sinkhole. Yes. I'm Wild. horrified. Yeah. That movie spooked me so much when I was, like, a, a tween and I watched it's it. It's very scary. Yeah. Very scary. But that's not what we're horrified by today. No. But I was horrified by it at the time. We'll talk about it. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> she spoke, um, the author of that novel spoke at our graduation. Yes, she did. She did. Oh, my God. So, anyways, some other times, sinkholes can be extremely dangerous. And it's those sinkholes that horrify me. Ah. And it's also the sinkholes that usually, like, make headlines. Yeah, fair enough. So I'm going to tell you two stories. They are increasingly upsetting. So if I'm really upset at the first one, should we just stop? You gotta just kind of buck up, I oh, guess. God. So on March 2nd of 2013, Jeremy Bushner was asleep in his home in Sefner, Florida. He woke up to hear screams from his brother in the next room as the floor of his bedroom had opened into the earth, what? swallowing walls and furniture. Yes. <gasps> Jeffrey fell inside, and the 36-year-old's body was never recovered, despite several rescue attempts. Oh my god. They couldn't even get to his body. That's oh. how deep it was. 
Oh, yeah. man. So that sinkhole was said to have been caused by extremely dry land during a period of heavy rain. So it's in Florida, so the sun is beating down on the earth, and it's very dry. Oh. And so then the, the water seeped into the limestone underneath mm. and eroded it, and then it cracked the top of the earth because it was very dry. So that is just terrible. Yes. And very sad. And that has happened several times around the earth. So here's another even more upsetting story that's much more sort of gargantuan and unfathomable. God. So on May 30th, 2010, in Guatemala City, a sinkhole opened into a 65 foot wide and 300 foot deep cavern. I can't even imagine 300 feet no, deep. No, I can't either. It swallowed a three-story factory. <gasps> yeah. So 15 people tragically died in this disaster. Oh my God. A factory. Just there died. are pictures of it and it is like... Like I said, it is unfathomable. Ugh. It's vertical walls. Like, vertical. Like, like somebody literally took a knife and hollowed out the earth. It is absolutely crazy. That's so crazy. Um, and so this is a little more complicated. This was said to have been caused by a combination of, of volcanic ash under the ground, in addition to other pyroclastic deposits. Now, pyroclastic means, like, volcanic mm -hmm. material, which is, in theory, very unsteady, and so I assume it is soluble. It was also considered that the septic system and pipe drains underneath Guatemala City were routinely undermanaged, so, like, they would leak and they wouldn't be fixed properly, oh. so there wasn't drainage problems. And so that led geologist Sam Bonus to say that the Guatemala City sinkhole is a misnomer because sinkholes are usually formed from a collapse of limestone, and there's apparently very little limestone underneath Guatemala City. That was kind of refuted back and forth, but he made a valid point. Yeah. He's like, this wasn't happening the way normal sinkholes do, and it was also much more tragic. And I think it's because of the poor pipe systems in Guatemala City. Yeah. And that's something that we need to pay attention to. And so, and then the, another wrench in that conversation is that a tropical storm had just raged through Central America. Oh, damn. Causing torrential rains. So you have all of these factors kind of coming in, and it's hard to tell who's more at fault, like nature or human error. Well, like, that's horrifying. Oh, my like, God. Yeah. How can you prevent it? Well, you can't, like, that's the, well, that's the thing that I think, like, I'm so anxious about and I'm so rattled by is that, you know, your brain makes up things that are that unpredictable and unmanageable and inescapable. Yeah. And so, like, the truly horrifying thing to me is that it's so hard to tell where they're going to occur next. So yeah. there's some things that you know, such as, like, hot and tropical climates are at higher risk because of the dry earth from the sunshine and the heavy tropical rain. But that doesn't tell you anything specific, you know? Like, yeah. you don't know, like, plenty of places are very hot and also have tropical rain. Yeah. You know, there's plenty of places like that. And it reminds me of, like, the first time I heard about a tornado season. Like, what? <laughs> like, there's a whole season where you're just, like, drenched in the fear of death. Like, oh my god. I, how can ever anyone live like that, you yeah. know? But you have to. Like, Oklahoma's populated. There's tornadoes. And Guatemala City is populated, of course. And it's also important to realize that a lot of the countries that are heavily affected by sinkholes are very dry and with tropical rains and don't necessarily have the resources to have their government go in and fix all the piping underneath yeah. the city and try to put in public safety ordinances to let people know what to do. I mean, there's not really that much to do if it's a 300-foot sinkhole that oh opens up. Oh, my God. But, yeah, no, I can't even deal with that. But, like, 
there's places that are more at risk for reasons more than just nature. Yeah. And that is something that's scary to me. Yeah. When things can be prevented, but, you know, it's money or government that's getting in the way. That sucks. Yeah. Oh my god. So, but I really can't get my mind around the fact that it was 300 foot deep. I will post pictures of it Ugh. just to, so people can try to wrap their minds around it. Um, It is just like the most unsettling natural phenomenon I have ever seen. That's deeply unsettling. Oh my god. And it's also like, I'm thinking about like, logistically, like, what if you had left your computer in your office, and then it's like, oh babe, what happened to your laptop? Oh, it is in a It's gone forever. It's gone. It's just gone. And that's like, that's just the darkest, deepest thing about it. It's like, it's just gone. Yeah. It's gone. And I mean, that's one of the things that scares me about the ocean. It's like, if you drown in the middle of the ocean, it's like, you're gone. Yeah. You're gone. Yeah. It's like, I used to piss off my mom because she'd be like, oh, where'd you leave, like, the pencil sharpener? And I'd be like, oh, it's gone. And she was like, what do you mean? And I was like, it's not here anymore. It's gone. And she... Like, your idiocy doesn't mean that an object disappeared. <laughs> yeah. And but if it was in a sinkhole, I would be like, yeah, you're right, honey. Sorry. Oh, my God. Take <sighs> that, mom. Just kidding. You were right. We did find that pencil sharpener. But, like, I'm horrified. <sighs> The whole earth and the power and majesty of nature, I'm horrified. I was going to talk about something. I might cut this out if we don't have time. I was going to talk about something called spider trees. Huh. I looked it up and um, I couldn't do it. No. I literally couldn't do it. Uh I'll just tell you what it is. It's basically there was tropical flooding, which is kind of similar to what we were talking about. Uh Uh-huh. There's tropical flooding in... I might have heard of this. Pakistan or... Uh Um, somewhere. I didn't research this, so <laughs> this is just off the cuff. We're just chatting. Um, uh, and so the tropical spiders, my skin is crawling getting the sentence out. The tropical spiders needed somewhere to go. Why couldn't they just die? I wish they did. <laughs> um, this is a happy ending, horrifically. Um, so they climbed into the trees, and so these trees have, like, it literally looks like cotton candy. I have seen these pictures. Because they're they're just saturated in webs. Mm, fuck me up. That sucks. And so the ones I think in Pakistan weren't as bad because it just like looked white. And you could tell that there was shit in it. But I was like, I can't deal with that. And then there was one in Australia where they were like the size of dinner plates. And I was like literally murder me. Like, I yeah. can't look at this. Well, in Australia... I can't look at this. In Australia, everything can kill you. Everything's poised to kill you. We've talked about that. But, like, I saw this image that, like, I... Oh, God. Oh, 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 oh. I can't... Like, I'm short-circuiting. I, I, I literally was like, oh, this would be, like, a fun one to do. And, like, I'm scared of spiders. So, like, I'm horrified. Ding. Fuck me up. I cannot do that. <laughs> it was so bad. Oh, So, my there God. you have it. I'm not gonna bring anything about that to you, Ugh. people. So, you heard it here first, all right? I can't do it. And last. I'm never gonna talk about it again. And I'm sorry I brought it up. I cannot do it. Ugh. Ugh. All right, that's it. I can't do anymore. I'm done. Stay horrified. Stay horrified. Stay horrified.